this, this, the video was about and the song was about John Newton. John Newton was, as you saw at the very beginning, a slave trader. And, and no sense of benevolence in the man at all. He was not only a slave trader, he was a cruel slave trader. Thousands of men, women, and children were ripped from their homes in Africa and the, and the islands over there and brought to, to Britain and to the Americas. And then one day in a great storm, John Newton came face to face with God. And as you saw, I think you saw enough of it to see that began a journey. But basically he said, God, if you'll deliver me, I'll turn around. And, and, and it began a journey toward God because eventually sometime later that he really truly turned his life over to Jesus Christ. He became a preacher. And he discovered and understood as he became a Christian, as a follower in Christ, the power of God's grace. And he wrote the song that is entitled Amazing Grace. It's incredible to think that God could take a man like John Newton and turn his life around. If you ever need any evidence that, that God is real and the Savior is real, you know, look around. I, if we had time today, there are people who could stand up and tell you today, I was this, but now I'm that. Uh, there, are, there are plenty of people that perhaps you know at work who claim to be Christians and say, well, let me tell you what I was, and let me tell you what I am now. The, the evidence of God's amazing grace is all around us in the lives of changed people. In fact, in fact, the guy who wrote the scripture today, and we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, was a guy that knew about God's amazing grace. And that's why it's appropriate he wrote this. Paul was a guy that, that was very, very zealous in his Jewish religion. He hated Jesus. He hated Christians. And so he took it upon himself, feeling like he was doing God a favor, and sought to, after the resurrection and death of Jesus, sought to destroy believers. And he was responsible, at least at the stoning of the first martyr, named Stephen. And then one day, and I don't have time to go into details, but one day, in a very incredible way, even after Jesus ascended, he, he met Jesus, not in a vision, but in a real way, on the road to Damascus. And Jesus said something like, you know, Paul... What are you doing? It's kind of hard for you to kick against the, the pricks. And, and you kind of go, what does that mean? Well, well, it was a goad that the, they would use to keep the oxen going. And there's a tender spot right here behind the, the, the oxen's ankle. And they would go, they would prick that. They would stick it with a sharp stick. And that would keep the, the oxen moving. And Jesus is saying, man, you're really going against the current here. And he radically experienced God's grace. And so he became a missionary and was responsible for writing a large portion of the New Testament. In fact, he's responsible to a large degree the fact that we know Jesus Christ today because he's the one who took uh, Jesus to the Gentiles. It all happened because of God's amazing grace. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 through 10, we see an incredible story. We, we see the people's lives before grace. Then we see how God demonstrates his grace. And then it's by grace we're saved. And some part of this is a familiar scripture, but I'm really praying that God will just open our eyes and let us really see the power of God's amazing grace. And if you're here today and you have trusted Christ as Savior, you are a Christ follower, there's a point in your life. Now listen, to be very blunt today, there's a time in your life when you knew it was more than praying a prayer. 
Can I have amen? It was more than getting dunked in some water by some preacher. It was more than starting a habit in your life of going to church or doing this or doing that. It was a radical change in your life. A journey that began and you look back and say, I was this and now I'm this. If that's you, then we start today by describing, Paul does, what you were, what we were. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you've never understood about God's grace and what Jesus Christ did on this cross, then, and this is very important, then it describes who you are. So either who you were or who you are, let's look at God's Word and discover amazing grace. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 This is before grace. This is what you were or what you are today. The Bible says, and you were dead. You were dead. Let's stop. Now, obviously, Paul's not speaking about physical death. I mean, very much, the people that he's writing to were alive. And he's writing to a church in Ephesus, which is a major city uh, in, in Greece. Okay, so he's writing to believers. And that's why it's written in the past tense, you were this. Okay, so so he's writing the people he's writing to are really alive, and yet there's he says there was a time when you were dead, and what he's speaking about is that they are dead spiritually. In other words, in the realm of spirituality and the relationship with God, they were dead. The word dead there carries the context of separated from God. In other words, if you are dead spiritually, and and all of us were born that way, okay, and only a conscious decision to follow Christ will change that, then then you would be here, and way over here would be God. And you'd be separated from God. And and as you know, living and dead don't have communication. I know in this weird world we live in, and the psychic stuff and all that, they say they communicate with the dead. Uh, No... There's no communication between living and dead. If you're here today without Jesus Christ, there's no communication with God and you are separated from God. And unless you make a conscious decision to allow God to forgive your sins, one day you're going to be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. I mean, again, it's amazing. Like 75% of people believe in heaven and like 30% believe in hell. Everybody wants the ice cream... Sunday, and nobody wants to turn it greens or the liver. So here we are, and if we don't do something, we're going to be eternally separated from God. And we're born that way. We're born that way. And he says, you who are dead, and here's the cause of death, you are dead in the trespasses and sins. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Sin is the electric chair. Sin's the, the knife in the heart. Sin has killed us spiritually. Now again, if you trusted Christ, that's what you were. But if you're here today without trusting Christ, that's where you are right now. Now I want you to stop pause that. Right? If you honestly believe there's anything to do with, you know, I, I kind of believe in God, I kind of believe in the Bible. Man, if even a portion of this is true, and ultimately there's a place out there called hell. Imagine eternity in a place of suffering and anguish anguish and darkness. And that's your destiny right now. As a person who is dead in trespasses. But remember, all of us who have met Christ, that was our destiny. Amen? 
I mean, come on now. If you'll get fired up about loving God, if you'll get fired up and being thankful to God, don't wait for pink Cadillacs. Don't wait for the time when He gave you a job when you need one. You thank God today because of His amazing grace. Because your destiny was changed from eternal separation from God into eternal living with God from a place called hell to a place called heaven. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So Paul says we are dead in trespasses and sin. That's what we were or that's what we are. It's everybody. That condition doesn't change. And then he goes on and says this. In the trespasses and sin in which you once walked... According to the course of this world, before God or, or after God, we walk the wrong path. According to what Paul says, it's the course of this world. It's the way the world does business. It's the way the world conducts itself. It's the values of the world. Before God, or perhaps where you are right now, that's kind of what directs your path. You make your decisions based on the values of the world. If the world says same-sex marriage is alright, it's okay. If, if the world says an affair is okay, then it's okay. If the world says a stealing is okay, it's okay. If, if the world says hatred is okay, it's okay. If the world says bitterness is okay, it's okay. If hatred is okay, it's okay. Does that give you a picture of why the world's so messed up? Those are the values of the world. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 13, that there's a way... That seems right to man, but the end thereof is the end of death, the ways of death. I mean, there's plenty of religions in the world. There's over one billion Muslims in the world. The world's not short on religion. It's short on the truth. And the world desperately needs to know about God's amazing grace. So if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, or perhaps you have and this is what you were, but here we are and we're separated from God. There's no communication with God. We, we, are, we are separated in eternal sense and we're walking the wrong path. Even though it may seem like the right path. I'm a good person. I give to charities. I showed up and worked at the park yesterday. Worked six hours. No one had to ask me. I just wanted to do it. I, I, I like doing good things for people. That's the course of the world. Of course, the world says there's a gigantic scale out there. And if your good outweighs your bad, ding, 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 you win the lottery and get to go to heaven. Unfortunately, it's not true. And then he goes on and says this. You're dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. You see, everyone has a leader, and I'm going to be real bold and go after Jesus and say, everyone has a father. And there's only two choices. I was at Best Buy looking at a new iPhone. And this woman, they, they said there's a little bit of a line there, a little bit of a line. And so, so the, the salesperson says, ma'am, ma'am, we'll be with you in just a moment. And she said, well, do you have any iPhones? She said, well, what carrier? And they said, Verizon. said, we have only black 32 gig. Now, um, as those of you who know, you know Apple, it comes in black or white, which is kind of appropriate, black or white. So she goes, so you don't have any white ones? No, no, all we got is black. Then she said, does it come in any other colors? Can you even imagine a pink iPhone? Give me a break, lady. It's either black or white. There are two choices. You can have any color of your iPhone you want as long as it's black or if it's white. Well, listen, there are only two choices with dads. There's only two choices 
with leaders. There is the prince of the power of the air, and that is Satan. And he's the father of darkness. And there is God Almighty. And He's the Father of light. And that's the two choices you have. Jesus said in John 8, 44, speaking to the religious people and said, You are of your father, the devil. So, Dwayne, that's not right. It's not cool. I'm not that. I'm just telling you, you've got to have a dad. And if God's not your father, then by default, the devil is. And so we're sitting there, and, and we've got these trespasses in sin, of which is our cause of death. We are, we are walking the wrong course. We're following the wrong leader, or one time we did. And then the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You know, have you heard the old saying, an apple doesn't fall, from the tr- fall far from the tree? Like father, like son. Do you want to know why such evil junk shows up in the world? How does a guy walk into a movie theater and start shooting people? How, how does someone break into an Amish school and start shooting kids? How do people fly airplanes in the buildings? They are acting like the father, their father, the prince of the power of darkness, of air. That's what's wrong with the world. People are following the wrong leader, it's their bent, it's their nature. Without God. They're simply acting like sons of disobedience, which is what they are. See, we, we Christians get so frustrated, and, we, and rightfully so. We say, our, 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 our nation's just so messed up. So many of our leaders are just acting like sinners, unforgiven and unregenerate, because that's what they are. I mean, may I be very candid with you? Too many churches act like the world. Because there's too many lost people in the world who slap on a name tag says, I belong to Jesus, and they don't have a clue who Jesus is. So, our world is influenced by the Father, and they live like sons of disobedience. Either you were that, or you are that. And then, then he goes one step further. He says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. In other words... Does this sound so good? If it feels good, do it. What's good for me is what I'm going to do. If I have to step on someone up the corporate ladder, that's what I'm going to do. If I have to hurt someone in the neighborhood, that's what I'm going to do because it's all about me. And you either were that or you are that, but isn't that true? So much of the world is about me. And we're focused. And then this, I think, is probably the most... Well, I hope it'll grab you. He says that carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath. Objects of wrath. This goes over like a lead balloon every time I preach it and anytime anybody else preaches it. God is love, but there's a wrathful side of God. God hates sin. And as sinners, we are objects, unforgiven sin, we are objects of His wrath. Now listen, it'll take a a Bible scholar to read what Paul's saying here. Before Jesus Christ, people are objects of God's wrath. It's really something. Notice the, the word that Paul used. Children of wrath. 
If you're here today and you've never experienced God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ, or if you're here and you have, this is what you were. Child indicates relationship. And without forgiveness, we are more akin to children of God's wrath, not children of God. And I'm telling you something. You do not want to be the object of God's wrath. Not for a second, much less for all eternity. That's where we were. Or that's where we are. We don't get that. Wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, wait a minute, Dwayne. Don't you think we just trust Jesus, you know, so I'll have a better life. Well, well, you know, my kids need to be in church, so, so I'll pray a prayer and get baptized and go to church for the goodness of my kids. No, man, you've got to understand it. If you're here today and the cross, this cross has grown old to you, and you've trusted Christ and this has grown old, may I just remind you what you were? At one time... You were a son of disobedience. At one time, you were going down the wrong path. At one time, you were dead in trespass and sin. At one time, your father was the devil. And at one time, your destiny was hell. That will get you fired up to serve God. When you start thinking about what God has done for you, if you're a believer, how can that grow old? See, with Judy, I was told that when I was a little bit younger, when I had hair, I was handsome a little bit. But Pooter was pretty. So it was like a 50-50 match. Let's just be candid. We've been married for 36 years. And I don't normally hear the word handsome anymore. It's become very apparent to me when, when people said, Is that your daughter? A backhoe operator that worked for the city of Harrisburg, and it wasn't Terry Guess, said that. I am very much aware over the years that I married up. Come on now. And I'm hoping as a Christ follower today that over the years you won't grow stale with Jesus, that you'll understand more and more you married up. You married up. I don't care what your life was before life. Man, the fact that what God's done for you, you have married up. Be excited about it. Every day when I wake up and see how beautiful she is, I realize that. I can't wait to be 70. I'm going to say, I think I married up. <laughs> married up. And if you're here today without Christ... What I'm saying is not about religion. It's not about church. It's not about being a Baptist. The truth is, you are separated from God. And and listen, every person in this room is a sinner. Just some have been forgiven. We don't gain perfection when we trust Christ. We begin a journey, hopefully become more like Him. But we'll never be perfect. And we love you today. And I want you to understand your destiny. If heaven is real, there is a hell. And if there's a God and there is, there's a Satan. And if there's truth, it's in this book. And you're separated from God. If you were that, or you are that. Now watch this. 
Look at what I call but grace. Verse number four. But God, time out. Here's this picture of absolute hopelessness. Wrong, wrong leader, wrong course, dad, sinner, trespasses, ultimately going to hell. And then the artist paints a different picture. And it goes from being a picture of hopelessness to hope. But God. If it was not for this conjunction describing our Father, how lost we would be. How hopeless it would seem. But God, being rich in mercy. I've heard mercy described so many different ways. One way was is that God in His mercy does not give us what we do deserve. God in mercy does not give us hell. But another picture of, of mercy, according to the commentary, is that it's a disposition of, of a being or a person to lend, to give forgiveness. Isn't that a contradiction? Here I've told you that unforgiven we are object of God's wrath, but God, rich in mercy. God could have let us die in our sin, let this world go on crazy out of control in our sin, but God, rich in mercy, chose to make a way that we could be forgiven. Isn't that incredible? But God, rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which He loved us. What love is that? Oh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved that He gave. I know perhaps you've heard it too much recently, but for the sake of our guests, would you let me say it again? That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, sinless, lived a sinless life, and one day was nailed to a cross like this. Not a mob out of control, but God's plan perfectly executed. And on that cross, God's wrath, because we're objects of God's wrath, as He became sin, God's wrath was poured out on Him. And He experienced the wrath of God in our place. And we, by faith, can be forgiven. That's the love I'm talking about. That God became a man and died in my place. Would you call that love? Incredible. It's incredible. But God, rich in mercy, and because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, in the cause of death being sin, even though we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Wow. He takes us from death and delight and takes us from the gutter to a throne. I told Judy, I don't know if I shared this with you or not, I can't remember. I yet did. I dreamed last night. And we were somewhere in a very poor, poor, poor place. And this kid came up to me and was standing there. And he was like beyond dirty, beyond filthy. I looked at him and said, do you want to come live with us? And in this dream, I took him home. And I realized that's a picture of what God did. He took us from the gutter. He took us from total depravity. 
where I could bring nothing to Him and say, God, I merit salvation because of this. He took me from the gutter to the throne room. He took me from being an orphan, spiritually, to being His child. He raised me up. And if you are a follower of Christ Jesus today, do you understand He has raised you up? And if you're here today, no matter what you've done, in your trespasses, in your sin, no matter how you think that you don't deserve salvation, He wants to raise you up. He loves you. He loves you. There is not one sin that God can't forgive if you'll come and seek His Son through grace and faith. He raised me up. That's all. And He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, remember, Paul is speaking to believers. That's why it's past tense. It doesn't say He will raise you up. He said He raised you up because He's talking to believers. But do you see another, Becca, do you see another past tense word there? Where it says, He seated us. Is that past tense? My daughter's an English teacher. That is past tense, isn't it? He seated us in heavenly places. Well, Dwayne, that's past tense. I think there's a good teaching here. I think, in some way that's beyond my comprehension, that God sees me as already seated with Him in heavenly places or in heaven. I know God's not bound by time. But in a mystical, powerful, wonderful way, I, I, I can take no other interpretation of this. That God has seated me already in heaven. He sees me as if I'm already there. Well, Dwayne, what's the big deal? I'll tell you the big deal. If that's not security for the believer, I don't know what is. If you ever want to say amen, that's a good place. That is security. That my Father, through His amazing grace, has washed me and made me as white as snow. Nothing ever is going to change that. He sees me as already with Him in heaven because I am saved and I am secure in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He wants you to be too. Get over this performance mentality that if I do good, God will love me more. He already loves you perfectly. If I do bad, that God will stop loving me. He can't. He can't. It will violate His character. So if you're here today and you've already experienced it, woohoo! You know, you're already in heaven you don't even know it. That's security. If you're here today and you've never experienced that, how's that for family? And you know, I've already taught you about Abba Father. The word daddy is not inappropriate for God. How about a daddy? There's a daddy who hates you and will spend eternity with you in a place of torment. That's Satan. Or there's a daddy who loves you so much that nothing could ever break that bond. And you will spend eternity with him in a place called heaven. Hard choice? Don't think so. Don't think so. He goes on and says this. Raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable, immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I just way good. 
This is way good. Now, there's something else in Western culture we kind of don't get. We want to take this and twist it around so that we understand wrongly that God exists for us. That is so unbiblical. <laughs> but in it, you're gone. God, you're the magic genie. Let me rub you the right way and you'll get what I want. Or God, you're the vending machine. I'll put my quarters in and out comes the product. Uh, God, you're Santa Claus. I sit in my lap and, and tell you what I want. You've got to give it to me. Ha ha, because you're God. I'm your child. No. We exist to glorify God. Now, this is not. If you're trying to sell a car, if Chris Street was trying to sell me a car, he would not use this um, this this technique. But if my death will bring glory to God, if my illness will bring glory to God, if through losing a job I can bring glory to God, it's all about God. It's all about Him. And here's the deal. He says for all eternity. Through the ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Now, this is a bad illustration. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a bad illustration. But in a few months, no, about weeks, they're going to have deer season. And some of you guys are going to shoot a buck. And it's going to be so magnificent, you're going to have it mounted. And you're going to hang it on your wall. It does not go with your wife's decor. Have you figured that out yet? I mean, I've been in some homes where I feel like they're all looking at me. But you're going to put that buck on the wall because it's so magnificent. And when people come, and you're going to say, we did this at Randy's house. Look, look, let, me tell you, let me tell you the story of how I shot that buck. And they can give you every detail. Well, brothers and sisters... We are trophies of God's magnificent grace. And all through the ages, we will be shouting to God, we are your trophies. We are the symbols. We are the the show of God's incredible, amazing grace. Even in heaven, we're going to show glory to God by His incredible grace. I mean, Mike Oshel is going to be there. Peter will walk up and say, well, how did they let you in? Well, he is a lawyer. Oh, I ain't got you in a while. You know what Mike's going to say? Amazing grace. They're going to walk up to me and say, I thought we didn't let Southern Baptist preachers in. Amazing grace. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. You were sexually impure. How'd they let you in? Amazing grace. Come on now, children. Come on. Come on. Listen. listen. I, as a kid, I stole. Amazing grace. I was angry. Amazing grace. I was bitter. Amazing grace. Trophies. Trophies. Proclaiming God's amazing grace. Wow. Wow. But grace. Well, Dwayne, how does this happen? How's all this happen? Look, look at verses 8. These are the verses we're familiar with. For by grace, and grace is amazing. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, if you like acronyms. God's riches at Christ's expense. But grace is when God gives us something we don't deserve. 
And that's forgiveness. That's heaven. That's the abundant life. For by grace, because of God's unmerited favor, now remember he's speaking Paxitis because he's talking to Christians, you have been saved, how? By believing. By faith. And, and you've got to get this now. And this is not your own doing. King, New King James. This is not of yourselves. You had nothing to do with it. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one can boast. Hmm. If you're in the kingdom today, it's because of God's grace. If you want to come into the kingdom, it'll be by God's amazing grace through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. There's one way. And it's Jesus Christ. You can't merit. It's, it's not of your own. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. Get over it. Some people say, well, Dwayne, I'm going to trust Jesus when I get good enough. Hang it up. You won't. You can't. The Bible says, David said, behold, I was born in iniquity. In, in sin, my mother conceived me. We're born wrong. That's why Jesus said you've got to be born again. To have a new dad. And that's God the Father. Now, I use this illustration frequently. In fact, I used it about four weeks ago. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, probably in this crowd today, some of you may not know there's a New Testament and Old Testament. Um, some of you, you know, may not, maybe may think that King James wrote the Bible, you know. I don't know. But you all know about Jesus. Everyone here in this country, in this setting, and on the radio, yeah, you, you know about Jesus. And you probably know that He claims to be God's Son, and you believe that you've heard about Him dying on the cross. You probably can quote part of John 3.16. So we've got a head knowledge. The trouble is getting it from here to here. And not the organ, but the seat of our emotions. And we do that by faith. And I, I told you about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I drug this chair out here. And I said, you know, I believe that's a chair. You know, I graduated from kindergarten. And my, my mind tells me that's a chair. And chairs hold people up. And that chair looks rather well, well, maybe not. <laughs> Pretty well made. Okay? So I have the intellect and says, I believe that chair. I trust that chair. I have faith in that chair. Verbally i got head knowledge. But not until I take this and do this, and I put my weight in that chair, do I truly have faith in the chair. At that moment, I went from head knowledge to physical knowledge, to knowing, to having faith, to exercising faith. It happened as I put my weight in the chair. I know you know about the cross. I know you've heard the name Jesus. I know you can quote all a part of John 3.16. But has there ever been a time in your life when you put your faith in Jesus by exercising that faith like I did here and believing that He is God's only provision for forgiveness of sins? He's the only ticket to heaven. Has there been a time when you made that commitment for life? Not, I want a better marriage. Not, if you'll heal me, I'll serve you forever. 
Not, I want to join the church because it's good for the kids. Not, he got baptized, so I want to be baptized. Has there came a time in your life when you made that commitment to Jesus Christ? And if not, perhaps today God is drawing you to Himself. Perhaps today is your day of salvation. And that's what this is all about. This building's not here for the comfort of its members. This building is here. No, I didn't forget and leave this up. It's a, it's a life-saving station. It's a life-saving station. And it's where men, women, and students, and children who feel God calling them into repentance of their sins. Repentance means turning from their sin and choosing to follow Jesus Christ. From Him being not the dad to being the dad. From not being the boss to being the boss. A commitment to follow His teachings not so you can go to heaven, but because you trust Him and believe Him. If you've never done that, we call this our time of decision. And every week I wrestle with something. And I'm wrestling with it right now. It'd be so easy to have you bow your heads and pray a prayer with me, but there's no power in a prayer. And I don't want you praying a prayer just because, wow, that's what Dwayne asked me to do. I'm going to ask you to go one step further. If you're serious, if there's ever been a time when you've trusted Jesus as I've talked about, my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And again, there's no saving power in coming forward, but it will show your sincerity and your seriousness. Because following Christ is a serious commitment. A serious commitment. I'm going to have every person in just a few moments bow their heads. The band will come up and they'll lead us in a song. And I'm going to invite anyone who'd like to trust Jesus Christ as Savior to come and stand down here at the front. If you've never trusted Christ, we will invite you to come. I will not embarrass you. I want to talk to you about God a little bit more, about Jesus a little bit more. And we have some friends who also will pray with you. That's going to be our time of invitation. I told you there are only two types of people, those that were like this and those who are like this. If you were like this, well, Dwayne, what should I take home from the message today? You know, I'm already saved. What should I? A real new appreciation of what God saved you from. You once were sons of disobedience. You were on the wrong path. You had the wrong leader. You had the wrong destination. And God changed all that. God changed all that. Go home. Show up this afternoon at 4 o'clock and be Jesus to these people who are going to come to the park. That's what I want you to do. I want you to have a new appreciation driven to serve. Not to be saved, but because you are. Because you are. So would you bow your heads right there with me? I'm going to leave us in time of prayer. And then Brent will be standing down front. And if you today understand about God's grace and you realize that you've not been here before, you've never trusted Christ, we would love for you to come and help you discover the great, amazing grace of God. Father, thank you so very much for the privilege of sharing your word today. It's amazing, God. It really is. We have nothing to bring to you. In fact, we are objects of your wrath before our salvation experience. But your disposition, your character, is to offer forgiveness through your mercy. And because of your great love, 
You sent Jesus Christ to take the wrath, to pay the price. And any man, woman, or child can have forgiveness by trusting and believing in Jesus. I pray for my friends here today who have never done that. Oh, may today be the day. Draw them, Father, to Yourself, please. And for us who have experienced it, may we just be wowed all over again. May we be bowled over today by what You have done for us. How well we have married up today. Now, Father, someone dealing with the decision about being baptized, which has nothing to do with salvation, but certainly is an act of obedience. Bring them, Father, to talk to Brent. And let them take that first step of making you the Lord of their life. And, Father, we have been blessed with folks coming and um, joining our church fellowship. We're grateful for that, Father, as you've spoken to hearts today. If you want to bring people into our fellowship, would you, Father, help them to come forward also? So we love you, and we give you this time together. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.